Hello and welcome to the Anfield Talk podcast. I'm your host this week, uh, Robson Scott. Um, we've got Ryan and Harry on uh, this week. Boys, how are you doing? Oh, good. Yeah, as good as you can be, really. It's just, it's all the same now for us, isn't it? Life of a Liverpool fan. It's, it feels like it can't get worse, but it's just it's, as bad as it's going to get, you think. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're coming off um, a weekend and a result that I certainly haven't um, felt in my lifetime. Um, and have never beaten Anfield, uh, never beaten Liverpool at home uh, since uh, I think it's 1998 or 1999. So it's yeah. very, very early in, I mean, not in my, my living memory. Um, Harry, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, a bit like Ryan said, if best as you can in the current situation. It's a bit hard to take considering Everton obviously haven't beaten us in obviously a very long time. So it's a hard one to take, but we need to bounce back from it as quick as possible because teams like Sheffield can catch you out. We need to make sure that we don't drop any further down the table. Yeah, of course. I mean, we'll come on to the Sheffield game a bit later, but um, it does seem like a bit Groundhog Day at the moment where every week we've got a a negative result um, to talk about. And, you know, it's just, it's one of them things where we're kind of, we're helpless. We keep suggesting things and we keep saying things like, oh, maybe you should try this. Maybe Klopp should try that. And then with, you know, injuries keep happening to key players so that that you can't be do you can't really do anything, you know. Um, you've got, well, hoping that we could possibly move Henderson back into midfield soon. Um, and then he goes down and, and gets injured, uh, just as uh, other players like Kate are, are, are coming back. Um, but you know, we're, the result of the weekend was was shocking, and the performance was pretty shocking. And we're going to briefly touch on a few things around that game. But I mean, where we've all kind of agreed that we don't really want to go into a, a, in depth into that game because it, it's a bit too painful. So I think we're going to talk about the bigger picture on this week's podcast. Um, so I'll start with you, Ryan and Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have been on, uh, I'd say top form over the weekend coming out and voicing their opinion on, um, what's going on at the moment. What are your thoughts on, on everything that, that they're saying? And do you agree with them or do you think they're talking a lot of shit? Um, yeah, with, it's, it's a difficult one because you've got on one hand the injuries, that, that we have obviously faced. But then at the same time, it's like the stuff that happens on the pitch just doesn't seem very, um, what I'm looking for. Like, you don't, there's not a lot of hope given to us in the pitch. Like, one step forward, five steps back all season, where, like, we had the Leipzig game in midweek, which a lot of us thought, okay, maybe we can get somewhat on track now. And then we go, lose at home, lose to Everton, lose Henderson, win a game and now it's just another case of well what's going to happen next so yeah I'm not sure exactly what they said but I think um, the, the comments weren't too far off to be fair I mean with um, one of the things that, that Neville said was I mean most of the things that he said was, was pretty spot on to be honest um, but there was a few things that kind of Irk the fan base a little bit. One of that being um, that he suggested Klopp needs to tweak things and that he needs he should try playing free at the back. Um, now with a team that 
are struggling in the centre half department. I don't really see how playing three centre halves is is an option at the moment. We don't have Fabinho. We don't have Henderson. We obviously don't have um, Cl- uh, Van Dijk and um, Gomez. Uh, and also with we don't know where Davies is in terms of fitness. He got a little injury. Um, so we were literally down to the bare bones of Phillips and um, Kabak, who you know had a good game midweek last week, but didn't didn't really um, put himself in the best light on on Saturday. Um, Harry, what are your thoughts on anything um, Neville and Carragher have said? I mean, Carragher got a lot of stick from the farm base. Do you kind of can you can you understand why or? Yeah, I can I can see why Carragher is getting a lot of stick because obviously as a, a Liverpool legend, I think that's been kind of touched on. Is can Carragher be you know still considered as a legend in his comments? So as as much as he's he is still a legend of our club, but he, these things do need to be said. And um, the same with Neville, a lot of the things he said were pretty much spot on. But again, touching on the the three at the back thing, I feel like of a team, the way we've played for the past three or four years with the, the same system, I think that was a bit of a silly comment because I I just don't think we would be able to pull it off. I think it would be too much of a tactical change for us to handle. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on the whole thing is that I think we'll, we'll, we'll prove all of the pundits this season and everyone who's come out to have a bad word against us. I think we'll prove them wrong next uh, next season because I think... Okay, we've been fantastic for three years now um, with that team. Uh, there's pretty much the same 11 playing each week. You know, we've probably played with about 14 players throughout the season, mainly. Um, and then we get a whole host of injuries this season. And then we we're suddenly start being very poor. Um, and surely that is... That just proves that that's obviously the, the dominant factor and that's the reason. Now, with Sky and BT, I feel like it's far too easy for them to say, oh, well, that's obviously the reason and they're trying to find other reasons why. But I think the reason why we know that they kind of know that all the injuries is the real reason is because no one's talking about Klopp getting the sack because everyone knows that um, that would be stupid because it's such unprecedented times in terms of what's going on at the club at the moment. Um, So, I mean, Ryan, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, like... With um, the Neville thing about the tactical tweaking specifically, I think he's right and wrong. I do think we need to have something slightly different, not wholly different. Like with three at the back, we've got three centre-backs that I don't think have, apart from the Phillips and Quebec for two-thirds of the Everton game, haven't played with each other. There's no lead. Well, Phillips could be a leader um, from his time before, but right now at Liverpool, he's not a leader in the club. And making all three of them play a, um, a system that they're not used to, I think they're just going to add more um, problems that we don't need to cause. And then obviously the fact that we're down to the bare bones, you wouldn't really want to be playing all of them all the time. But to be fair to Klopp, he has had a little um, change here and there. Like I think it was the West Ham game where he'd played the diamond with Shaq at the top and we scored some very good goals in that game. And then also a lot of us were playing on about get Thiago out the six, put Genie there. And after about three or four games, he did do it. So to be fair to Klopp, it looks like he is thinking on his feet. But I still think there is something more we can do because it does feel like we're playing the same game every game this season with all the the negative sides of it. Yeah, exactly what Ryan just said. Um, 
we needed somewhat of a tactical change. We haven't won this year yet. And it, it comes to, to the West Ham game. And he tried something new. It could have paid off. It could have gone horribly wrong. But I think he got it spot on. But then he changed it back and the results started dropping. So is it a case of, do we go back to that diamond again? Because we've still got somewhat the exact same players that played bar one or two, but could be easily replaced. So do we go back and play that formation that won us that game? And I think we played it for the for a bit of the Tottenham game, or at least it looked like a, a somewhat similar formation. So why don't you go back to that? Why don't we try it again? Because it's at the moment we're just declining playing the same system we are. So why not change it a bit? I think putting Thiago or swapping Thiago and Genie was was one of the best things because as much as Thiago is a is a great footballer defensively, he isn't he isn't the strongest. And I, I think he looked out of his depth a bit in the the six role because as a six, typically what we've seen with Fabinho and Henderson at times is they're very good tacklers. They know when to go for the ball. And I think Thiago can sometimes get caught up in the moment a bit, flies into tackles and then gets on a yellow very early. Like, look at the City game, what, two minutes in and he was already on a booking. About and 100, just, sec- 100 seconds, I can't. <laughs> yeah, something silly like that. And it just puts unnecessary pressure on our already weak defence, I guess you could say. So I think, but... As Ryan said, Klopp has got it pretty spot on. All the suggestions that have been made have been have been put forward uh, at some point. But I think we just need to to try something different again. Yeah, I mean, us as as all pretty much armchair managers at the moment, um, we've been stuck at home and not being able to get to the uh, to the ground. It, it's it's really hard because you, you know. I think that it's proven this season that FSG should be paying the fans to be in the ground because it proved we're, we're such a such a force and such a um, a help to the team. It's it's very clear now. Um, but you know, we we can all suggest these things, and sometimes we think that they might happen and they just don't happen. And I, I would love to know why Klopp isn't making any changes. Um, because with the diamond, that it did seem like it worked. Why has he not gone back to that now? Um, you know, we have seen some positive news come out this week that Jota should be back, Fabinho should be back. Maybe not for Sheffield United, but um, for the the game after. Um, which you know we hope that's true. But you know, what, what injuries do we get between now and then? Because the players seem to be dropping like flies at the moment. And if it continues, which it has done, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to look like it's going to stop. We're just going to be in the same um, situation. Now, um, another thing that Carragher kind of mentioned, and we'll sort of segue on, um, is that losing, um, not winning at Anfield in six or seven games is absolutely unheard of and it's not acceptable. Um, and I know we've we've now lost the last four after going on that such a long unbeaten run. Um, do you think that, I mean, we could talk tactics all day, but do you think it could be down to uh, something mentally? Because we've seen some things this week that um, I know have really, really wound me up. Um, and if you don't know what we're going to kind of talk about, it's basically that last night there was uh, things circulating on Twitter that um, Roberto Firmino had liked um, Richarlison's uh, photo on Instagram of him celebrating at Anfield now. In the grand scheme of things, like when you say it like that, it doesn't really sound like anything. It really just sounds like like who cares. But the form that we're in at the moment, the form that we're at home at the moment, the fact that there are 
you know, they're, they're Everton. It doesn't really, I don't really have to big up how much of a rivalry that is. So it's like, it's, it's for hate them. Like, um, him doing that, I don't care how much he, how he's done it in the past and how he's liked, he likes everyone's photos or whatever. For me, that, that is, that is not on. And it kind of proves the mentality of the squad right now. And not to kind of sound like Roy Keane or anything, but it's just, it, I just think that's absolutely unacceptable. What what message does that give to us as fans who are trying to, you know, we're, we're sat here in unprecedented times watching this team fail like we've never seen in a hundred years, and Firmino is kind of doing that. And now some people have put it down to it being modern football and and things like that. But for me, that and Allison hugging Jordan Pickford, who ended Virgil Van Dijk's um, season earlier on this season uh, in the away game, you know, like. Those two things have really, really got under my skin uh, due to the form that we've been in. And it, it it's really, really wound me up. Now, Ryan and Harry, well, I guess I'll get your opinions on it. What, what are you thinking? Harry, we'll come to you first. What are your thoughts on it? it is, it's frustrating because, like you said, the mentality of the squad right now is going to be shot to pieces. You know, lost, what, four games on the trot Anfield, was it? Mm-hmm. Something like, yeah. It, it it's just it's not good to see him regardless of you know how he's done it in the past because I've seen on Twitter today he does it for all his Brazilian teammates and he's done it every time I think it was Atletico when they beat yeah. us I think he did it when Chelsea beat us in the FA Cup and I think it was a few other times but regardless you kind of need to take a step back and think well people are going to see this it's not going to go unnoticed yeah he, fans are going to see that I've liked his photo of him celebrating at Anfield. And you ju- he just needed to, to think more because he can come out and say, oh, I do it for everybody. But fans will just hit back with, well, regardless of you doing it well, for everybody. Well, don't then. So like, yeah, ex- don't yeah, exactly. Do it for that everyone. is an easy way of fixing it. Just don't do it. it it's, it's sickening to see it. It's kind of like a, another hammer blow. You know, we've lost to Everton at Anfield for the first time in however many years. And then you see that. And the same with, with Pickford and Allison. I don't care if, you know, goalkeepers union and all this rubbish. You can't do that because Pickford single-handedly took out one of the biggest parts of our the success part over of the our past team. two exactly. years. And it's, it's, uh... Probably our best player. And no, no. Pickford took him out. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a, an accident. It was a it was an attack. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean... I don't. You can't go over to him hooking him and like being so pally with him it's just it doesn't sit right yeah it, it, it's so true and um i know naz had uh it tweeted a video of van dyke from uh the city game two years ago uh that great game yeah, that we lost that. at the etihad um and van dyke uh company's trying to have a bit of a laugh at him and van dyke is is raging and so he should be he's just lost the biggest game of the season um and it's just like that's the mentality that you want and that's a mentality that we just don't have in the squad at the moment and the fact that it just kind of proves they don't have any fight. They don't care. Like, if you cared, if you really cared, you wouldn't be liking those those photos. And people on Twitter and, and our fan base, and I've seen a lot of it, uh, just saying, oh, like, who cares? It's just an Instagram photo. It's not the fact that he's liked an Instagram photo that annoys it. It's, the, it's like in the big picture of things. Like, like it's it's everything. It's all the form and everything. You've got to be considered. He's going and... Richarlison's came and dunked on us at Anfield. He's came and scored in the third minute, made us look like tits. He's given it big licks on Twitter and on Instagram. And Firmino's going around liking it. Like, what? You can't. There's no justifying that at all. Like, you, you can't. If I was one of his teammates, I'd be, I'd be fucking raging. I'd be like straight in there. Like Henderson must look at that and think, 
like what are you doing? I know like England's kind of golden generation uh, with Gerard and Lampard and Terry and Neville and, and Cara and everyone else who was in that. Like they all hated each other. Like whenever they talk about it, it's like we didn't get on on international duty because there was big games that were being played at the weekend, and then they're going off together and sitting in the same hotel. And we've seen it last season with um, with Sterling and Gomez, and that's what you want to see. Like I don't give a yeah. shit if they're arguing on, on the international stage. I couldn't really care less about international football other than like tournaments. You get a bit like excited when they come around, but it means nothing really. Like. To see them do that, and I know it kind of probably does mean more in Brazil because they win more than what we do, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's it's like someone comes and shags your missus. You're not going to go, oh, well, I've known them all my life, so I'm still going to like this post on Instagram. You're going you're gonna to hate them. You've got to hate them. Like, you, it's, oh, it's it's just really, really got under my skin. And seeing people, like, brush it off like it's nothing um, is just, it's just really, really... Really hurt me. I mean, what what annoyed you more, Ryan? The the sort of Firmino thing or the Allison thing or? Yeah, it's like now that I've had like a day or two to like process like what happened. Um, I can only really like just try and put my own self in their shoes. But like when it's happened to me, and say I've lost the game Sunday legal for school against one of my mates. Yeah. Once yeah. the game's finished, if we lose, like not even lose, the, we got embarrassed by Atletico and by Everton. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd just be straight off the pitch. Maybe just shake their hands like a good sportsman, but yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you're angry. I left someone in specific. It, that's 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 one that really irked me because... The fact that it's the two yeah. players that injured our, our players is, is the mm. annoying thing, I think. Like... Yeah, it's like um, I, the Firmino, like, I called that modern football at the start, but... Whenever I say modern football, it's for me personally, it's things everything of modern football irritates me, but I just have to accept it because that's where the game's at. Like now that we're talking about this, when players are hugging and shaking hands in the tunnel before a game, I absolutely hate it. Yeah, but that yeah. is modern football. And I just can't remember. maybe it's because we grew up on the likes of Gerard and Carragher who would give their heart on the pitch and then walk off with the same attitude that we think like this, and maybe they didn't, but I just can't get myself into that. Yeah, just carrying on what Ryan said there about the players like shaking hands and hugging in the tunnel. I remember a prime example of that was when we played United at Old Trafford last year. And I think it was Pereira and Fabinho and Alisson were all like hugging and shaking hands. And Roy Keane was, he was raging at it. Because he's seen it as, you're the biggest rivals in the Premier League. Like you're the two heavyweights and you're all just, you know, are hugging and, you know, shaking hands in, in the tunnel. It's, it's just not right. Like the game's gone soft. Like, if that was 15 years ago, you'd probably have to pulling them off each other, yeah. let alone, like, having friendly hugs and stuff. Like, it, it's just... But, like Ryan said, that is modern-day football. That is how it is now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch all of Monday Night Football uh, last night or anything, so I didn't know if um, Neville and Carragher talked about it, but I'm sure if they didn't, they will mention it uh, this weekend. And they'll probably ask Roy Keane about it as well, because... That's a, the, the prime question that they'll ask him for to get like a sort of soundbite out of it. But um, yeah, it, it like Ryan says, I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head there, mate. It's like, it's just modern football. Um, and that c- combined with VAR, which I didn't really want to bring it up, but, um, but we'll talk about it at the, <laughs> the start moment from the weekend, um, just briefly, because it kind of has to be mentioned, really. Um, I don't know what, what your guys' reaction was, but I virtually didn't have one. I just kind of laughed. 
uh, even when you went over to to the um, to the screen, you just kind of knew he was still going to give the penalty. Um, it was it, it was never it was never a penalty. Let's let's be let's be clear here. But um, what were what were your sort of reactions to it? What what did what did you think? I I was just shocked about what he was doing going over to the monitor for that short amount of time because yeah. a lot of people were saying well, to check if it was a red card or whatever, but. Even from the angle he was looking at, you couldn't even tell if Trent flicked his head in his direction or yeah, flicked his leg out in his direction. You couldn't tell anything from it. So that that just um, I don't know what, was, what he was thinking there. And then with regards to the actual penalty, I feel like I'm in a very small minority that can see why it's a penalty. But mm-hmm. after I explain it, you can probably tell me where I'm right or wrong in this. Okay. It was okay. so the way I see it is Trent went in for a slight tackle. I don't think he won the ball initially. And then he's impeded after that um, Dominic Carver-Lewin's path to the ball. And when we see that on the pitch, when a player just stands in the way of uh, a player in the ball with no intention to play the ball, it's a foul when they bump into each other. And then Dominic Carver-Lewin chipped over his head. So that's where I can see it being understandable that it was given. But Yeah. yeah. I think... Listen, nothing, nothing surprises me this season, and I think here, here's what I'll ask you, Harry. Right? What do you think was less of a penalty, that one or or Danny Welbeck's at Brighton against us? Oh, both of them were absolutely horrendous decisions. If you had to pick one, which one do you think's worse? Which one's the worst decision? For me, I think I have to go with the Calvert Lewin one. Okay. If I'm explaining it, I'll say the Calvert Lewin one because. Like Ryan said, he impeded him. And at first I thought, that's horrendous. How is that a penalty? I thought it was but, a penalty you know, at first before we've seen the other angle, to be fair. Yeah, looking back on it a few times, I've had a few days to kind of look at it and see what was what was really happening. I, I can see why it was given because Trent has slid from behind. He, he's never going to get the ball. And whether Calvert-Lewin's ran into him or Trent moved his head to suddenly trip him up, however that happens, I don't know. But it it's it's a hard one, but in the modern day, with some of the penalties that have been given this season, it was always going to be given. But it annoyed me the the amount of time the referee spent at the monitor. But yeah. I saw someone on Twitter today saying that the referee hadn't actually gone over to to check if it was the penalty. That was never in dispute. It was actually to see if Trent was going to get a red card. That was oh, actually what he was checking the monitor for. So it wasn't a debate yeah. over the penalty. It was whether Trent would get sent off. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't see that, to be fair. Now, that would make more sense why he yeah. stayed at the monitor for less time. But it also doesn't make any sense because you think you should probably check the penalty. But if that means that they were all in agreement that it was a penalty, then yeah, I guess we've just got to accept that in the modern game. Like I I, I wasn't as, as as outraged as a lot of people were on, on um, Twitter. I think even fans from other fan bases yeah. were, were going mental saying it wasn't a pen. And I could, like, yeah, I could I see it. Um, I could see why it's been given, and I think when you slow things down, which is the angle that we did see, you know, it does look less a penalty because it does look like he slowly then runs into the back of him. But I mean, if that happens to Salah for us, oh, we'd be screaming we, for it. We wouldn't. We wouldn't get it. It would. <laughs> we'd never get that. But we would no, be screaming but... for it. Um, but I mean, I've seen a lot of people comparing it to when um, Carl Darlow was clinging on to to Sadio Mane. That in the Newcastle game, 
And that was his pe- that was a Stonewall penalty. And being from Newcastle, you know, I had that debate with many people, and not a single Newcastle fan thought it was funny enough. But uh, <laughs> you know, it it it's just like it goes down to like when you look think about the. I remember when we got all the the terrible decisions against us in the last Everton game, which this penalty doesn't even remotely compare to that, in my opinion. Um, but I remember saying after that game and after the Brighton game, those four points could cost us the title. Now, things have changed drastically since then, and that put them four points could cost us Europa League football at this stage um, if things things continue, which might be a blessing in disguise uh, if we don't get that. Um, I, I would think it's... I think I would rather go into that new conference thing um, than play yeah. Europa League, because I think it will be really funny just to see <laughs> us batter all the teams in that. Um, but... Yeah, I'm not about Thursday night football uh, in the Europa League, so I just want us to, you know, book our ideas up and put some wins together, as I'm sure everyone does. Um, because I think it's going to really, really negative, uh, negatively affect our summer. Um, I want to go on to um, to talk about some of the transfers and the rumours and stuff about the summer. Um, Harry, I'll come to you first. How much do you think this run of games is going to affect what goes on in the summer. Do you think that we will, you know, we can pick it up? Or do you think that if this continues, we're going to, you know, be in a very, very tricky position um, come July? Yeah, I definitely think if this continues, we could be looking at some outgoings and very little incomings. But I think if we can pick it up and get Champions League, which is probably a very big ask at this point, and we would have to probably win every game we've got left, I think if we get Champions League, we could attract some some bigger names. But I think if we if we don't, then we'd be saying goodbye to some players because they won't want to stay. They they ain't going to want to stay to play Europa League. It's not bad because it's better than no European football. But having got to two consecutive Champions League finals, are they really going to be want to be playing out in like Kazakhstan at, <laughs> on a Thursday night and having a, having to kick off in the Prem on Sunday? Yeah, I'm, I just are they really going to want that? I I think um, it. I mean, I said this in the chat the other day. I think is that I think it's their own. I think the players will be able to see that it's an anomaly of a season, and I feel like if any of them kick up a fuss for being in the Europa League, I would just kind of turn around to them and say, "Well, this is it's your own fault, really. Um, you can try uh, to to stop this." Um, and I think it would say a lot about the character. I think players will still want to play under Jurgen Klopp. I think um, we'll still be able to attract a good level of player because of that. Um, however, everyone's been touting Mbappe 2019, 2020, 2021. Um, I don't think that is going to be the case should we not get uh, Champions League football. Um, Ryan, what do you think? What... Um, yeah, I, I was going to actually touch on the Mbappe part because maybe I'm a cynic, but I really believe that was a strong possibility of getting him in the summer, assuming we were going to get Champions League football. Yeah, I would but, agree. Um, I think other than that, all of our targets that we've been linked with, so like Rodrigo, Depaul from Udinese, um, whether, it's, so much. Yeah, whether it's Renato Sanchez or Bissouma or the likes of that um, for our junior replacement, if that's to be believed. I don't think they would care if we're in Champions League football or not. Um, but for the Mbappe and Haaland tier of player, I don't think they would be looking forward to be playing on Thursday nights uh, of um, given their stature, and that is 100% understandable. Um, so that is 
a huge concern for me because that's a level of transfer that will take you from a very strong team to an elite team for the next five years. Yeah. And yeah. the worst part of that is not signing them means they're likely to go to somebody else. And if City managed to get Haaland, because I think it's out of them and Chelsea who he gets linked with the yeah, most, yeah. and I personally can't see Chelsea signing him. If they manage to upgrade their um, front line to add Haaland and we're playing Europa League football and we're going to be, I wouldn't say stuck because that's unfair to them, but yeah, Jota yeah. and Minamino next season, um, it's not the same level as adding Mbappe to the mix. And that could set us back quite a few years in terms of trying to win our next league title. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, I kind of have a, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say theory, but my kind of views on this is we don't, we never get any of those caliber of players here at Liverpool, which is why when Thiago was linked in the summer and Thiago came in and, you know, seeing him play now, why Liverpool fans absolutely love him and absolutely love the thought of him because we never rail like we very very rarely if not ever um go out and sign that that level of player with that big of a name and that big of a you know hype around them um since i mean even torres probably wasn't even at that level he was still up and coming when we signed him um, and we, we you know we turn players in, into these players and this is the first time where we've actually seemed to have been linked strongly with one of these generational talents when they were young. And seeing, because of injuries, not being able to get them is a massive kick in the balls, um, especially considering we haven't been able to strengthen over the past two summers because FSG haven't really wanted to. Um, Harry, what was uh, what was your point? Um, I think you briefly touched on it. We're not a club that you typically put with buying superstars, like, you know, your Man City, your United, your Chelsea's. We are more to accustomed to developing them. Like, look at Robertson, for example. We took him from a relegated hall. Nobody knew who he was. I thought he'd be coming in as a backup, personally. I never mm-hmm. thought we'd really see him play. And he's probably the best left-back in the world now. Yeah. And I think that is why a lot of people were excited for Thiago, me included. Yeah. I was, I was begging that that transfer went over the line. I think to have a player of his calibre and of his technical ability and just his name, it, his name is a very big name. It, it elevates brings, us. Yeah. yeah, it brings a lot with it. You know, the trophies and he's Spanish, you know, he's a Brazilian heritage. So it, it's good that we got a player like him and I'd probably say that's the highest calibre signing probably in our history, to be honest. Yeah. I'd definitely say he'd been up there. I don't. I don't even know who could maybe come in at a, a close second. Probably Torres. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. Um, it is hard, especially in the Premier League era, um, to think of anyone we've signed who had a bigger stature when they come in. Possibly um, Yari Lifman, but um, you know it's it's debatable really. Thiago is probably still uh, at a higher level than that. Bringing that name into the equation just shows how little it, we are linked to the we, we get well, these exactly, players. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. Um, there, there isn't. There, I mean, we always previously in the sort of early two thousands would get linked to the next um, kind of player, like uh, the next Zidane, the next uh, Raul, which is kind of Torres, which came off, um, but. 
Yeah, it, it's just, it's so painful. And to think about, like, we could have had an Mbappe out, especially after him scoring um, that heartbreak last week. <laughs> it's just, it's just annoying. However, I have seen a lot of, um, you know, PSG fans obviously love him, but you do see a lot of them kind of saying he's not as great as everyone says he is on the world stage. Like, everyone sees him when he has a bad game, but they're not watching him when he, when he plays against Marseille and has a 6 out of 10. Um so it is interesting, you know, and we've seen players come to the Premier League and flop, like Werner hasn't been great this season. I wouldn't really call him a flop, you know. It takes yeah. a while to get adjusted. Um and he could he could come good. And to be honest, I think he will come good. But um it's what you know, annoys me about Thiago. Yeah. It, 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 saying. It's frustrating to see. Yeah, just because they come in doesn't mean they'll hit the ground running straight away. Some players do, like uh Jota coming in, of course he's already been in the Premier League as well. Yeah. Um I think sort of talking about this, it's hard to ignore the fact that um, we need a striker. And I think a lot of our problems this season have come from the fact that uh, we don't have an out-and-out number nine. Um, Now, I'm one of Bobby's biggest fans. Uh, I I really do like him. I really like him as a player. Um, And I don't think we get rid of him anytime soon, to be honest. Uh, I think what we need to do with him is kind of evolve him into and move him into a different position, whether that be, you know, taking Wisden Aldam's place in midfield and maybe playing slightly behind the front three next season. Um, but I think this argument has gone on for a couple of years now and we've been able to paper over the cracks with the trophies that we've won, which are pretty good pretty good paper to to cover those cracks. But um now I think it's very, very clear that uh we do we we need we need a striker in his team. Have you guys got any? If we can't get Mbappe or Haaland um, in the summer, have you got any suggestions? Of what you would uh, pitch to to Klopp on who to who to get? Ryan, we'll come to you. Cool. Um, it might be a bit outdated, but Lukijovic, mm. he had an unreal season a couple of years ago at um, Frankfurt. And didn't really go for him at Madrid last season, and now he's back on loan at Frankfurt. So, yeah. if he was to leave, I wouldn't be surprised if he does go back there permanently. But from what I did see of him, he was a proper number nine. Anything into him in and around the box, chest it down, hits in the back of the net. And yeah. someone that gets as many goals as him that season, he's just got that instinct for goal. And like we we're talking about, how we might need to tweak a bit how we play. I don't think we would need to tweak too much if we were to just straight swap Firmino for him mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of the times it, it happened once at Everton and it really frustrated against Everton, sorry, and it really frustrated me where Trent put in a really good ball in between the six-yard box and the penalty spot. No one threw himself out. Yeah, not even throw himself out if Firmino decided to go after the ball after Trent had already crossed it where, say, a Haaland, a Jovic or just a natural number nine, as to see the ball go out to the wide man, they're in there ready, ready to get the ball. And just having someone with that kind of instinct, I think, will be huge for us. Um, so, yeah, he's one that I would not mind uh, if he was to come through the door. Harry, what about you? Um, yeah, I think Jovic is actually a great option. I, I thought maybe as well, uh, Maturo Martinez from Inter. Oh, yeah, that, that one, you've, t- you've took <laughs> yeah. my shot there. <laughs> I just think he's, he's an out-and-out goal scorer, which isn't something we've had, I'd say, since Suarez and Sturridge. In, in that position I think yeah. it's it's what we're missing and as much as I love Firmino and he's, he is an integral part to our team he's one of the cogs that you know makes it all run 
but I don't think he's an out and out striker. He doesn't have that instinct instinct for goal. Like I, I can think of one example off the top of my head was when Thiago chipped that little free kick yeah. over against Brighton and he's waiting for it. And we've seen Muller do it and we've seen Muller finish it. Whereas Firmino just, it was like he was waiting for it to drop to put back across goal. An instinctive striker would have hit that with no questions asked, would have buried it. I just think, I don't maybe think we need to replace him. I think we can adapt his position. I think he could easily be a great number 10. It's what he played at Hoffenheim and he is yeah. more of a playmaker. That is where he excels. Whether it's we change the formation to play a 4-2-3-1 and kind of have him in behind the striker or if we still play what we play now, but instead of playing with the six, play with the 10 and potentially play him there. Yeah. Um, and I guess that, that goes down to as well what we do at, at centre-half because um, Fabinho uh, has been fantastic there this season and I know he won't want to play centre-half in the future if Van Dijk and Gomez are there, but... Um, Evolving out of a six and moving it to a ten and playing kind of, I guess, more attacking football um, would be a really interesting move. I know a lot of people have been reminiscent of uh, the seventeen eighteen season over the past uh, few weeks, and I know I have. I was watching a uh, you know a compilation on YouTube of when those few months when Coutinho was still here and we had the front four, and boy, was it good to watch. Like it's exciting, you know. It's it's. And we didn't we didn't really win anything, so um, it's it's just one of them things. Like when you look back on Torres and Gerard, we won nothing, but the football we played and the goals that were scored are just magical to watch. Um, I think some people have branded a Buvic ball on uh, on Twitter, yeah, which is which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could possibly see what would if we did go for that four two three one. I'm presuming, you know, you've got Salah and Mane or Jota uh, on the wings, Firmino behind a striker. What are the what is the two that you're playing? Henderson and Thiago? I think I think it, a lot of things have to have to be factored in. It depends because Gomez obviously isn't back to even doing any yeah. ball work. He's obviously significantly behind Van Dyke and his injury does seem the worst out of the two. Like I think yeah. I'm guessing you've both seen the massive scar on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't look good. So I think if Fabinho does have to start next season playing as a centre-back, which I'd be OK with because he's shown he can do it, I would 100% have Henderson and Thiago as the sixes because I think then we'll find Thiago playing very similar to the way he did at Bayern because he did play in a double six. Yeah. And I think whoever was alongside him, whether that was Goretzka or Kimmich, kind of sacrificed their attacking threat to kind of let Thiago do it all and kind of roam in that area and you know play out wide play it down the middle and I think that's something we could we could use because we've got Bobby further up who's excellent with the ball on his feet you know close contact sort of stuff and then we have the options out wide as well I, I think it could work but it's whether Klopp wants to take the risk yeah um I'm gonna ask you a quick like snap question and I want you to give me your answer on it. Uh, if we had to make a decision on Kabak right now, would you pull the trigger and say yes and sign him, or would you say no? Right, right now, up. right now, no. It is too early, but right now, I would be leaning no because centre back's position where I think we have to strengthen well in the summer, and from the limited football we've seen of him, he's not what I would like for us to work with going forward. But I do have hope. I do have faith in him because he did play well against Leipzig, against opposition that he's used to, and he's still learning the league at a young age. But 
as of now, I'm not, I'm not set on him. What about you, Harry? Uh, on the other end of the scale, I, I would I would go with him because I, I think he has shown that he might need some getting used to to the Premier League because it is a whole different ball game from from the Bundesliga. But I think because he's young, he has that time to develop. And at eight, for eighteen million, I know for our owners that's probably like trying to sign Mbappe, but um, <laughs> it I, I think it's a small price to pay if it doesn't work out. Because he's still young, you know, if, if in three or four years' time, you know, we really weren't set on him, he was still struggling, I think you could still get a big chunk of cash for him should you want to sell him. But I think we're in a position with centre-backs where we can't really be picky. We've kind of had to take whatever we can get, like which is probably how we've ended up with Davies, is because it, it's just kind of like we need to grab whatever we can get. So I, I'd stick with him. I think he can only get better. He's He's still really young, so there is time for development. but. I think, as of now, I can see why people are, are tipping towards the no side. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll flip the question slightly. Um, if I if you had to choose out of him and Phillips, um, Nat Phillips, what would you who would you choose? Because I think Nat's been really really hard done by. I think he's been oh, yeah. fine, and I think he's been, you know, we couldn't have asked anything more from him in the games that he's played, uh, and to me. He looks more promising because I think he gives us a totally different option at centre half, and I think if you put someone like him besides Virgil Van Dijk, like he could be an extremely good centre half. Um, what about what do you think, Ryan? Would you Quebec or I mean, I presume you'd you'd choose Nat. Yeah, to be fair, I would lean Quebec purely okay. because he's three years younger and there's not yeah. too much between them right now. But like you were saying about Phillips, I think he's almost the perfect fourth choice centre back to have at the club because he's not um, like what we'd have as uh, say Van Dyke, a ball playing master and um, very comfortable on the ball. He's just when you need me, I'm there. No nonsense. I win everything in the air. I put my body on the line. I and mean, we've not really had uh, many players like that in the club era. I think. Lovren was one, but the less said about him, the better. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't really... Uh, now that I've said Lovren, I don't think Phillips has really made many mistakes, if any at all, when he's played. And that's probably the hardest thing to find in a centre-back. And yeah, if we did show faith in him and let him develop alongside Van Dijk and Gomez and um, if whoever we have next season, I think he's, he's a great player to have in the club. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it, it's one of them things where we kind of forget... Uh, what it's like to concede normal goals um, when we've got Van Dijk at the back. Like we see a lot of goals at the moment, and I think there was a few with Phil, um, with Phillips where it's like uh, he just hasn't hasn't got there in, on a rebound and someone's knocked it in, um, and they're just like normal goals that people concede. But we're not used to that because we're used to Van Dijk being there randomly and clearing it and stuff like that. And you you know you've got to lower your expectations slightly when when you lose someone of that caliber. Um, but I mean, I think Phillips's worst game was against Newcastle, and it was nil nil, so we didn't we didn't even concede. So, you know, it's I think he's been pretty hard done by, but I think it's more because he's like you know he's just that no nonsense kind of English Ryan Shawcross kind of uh, defender. And I think he's had no he's had no stable partner next to him all season either. Exactly. Um, and so I think you know a lot of credit has to go to him for coming for stepping up and uh, you know playing well. And I, I mean I wouldn't. I would obviously wouldn't be opposed to selling them in the summer, but 
I think we're absolutely certain that we'll get a lot more from him if we do try and sell him now than what we would have when we tried to sell him last summer. Um, which is, you know, that's a positive, especially considering we know how much we had to raise funds from selling players. Um, adding, you know, 10 million, 20 million on top of his price tag, however much we get for him, um, is, you know, it's it's very, very welcome because he would fit perfect in a, a lower prem team in a sort of Sam Allardyce team or something like that, which is annoying because you know he's, it's going to come back to bite us on the arse at some point and he'll score <laughs> against us because that's just kind of how it goes. Um you know, moving on, we've we've touched briefly on the the Henderson uh, injury and you know how just annoying it is, but we've kind of come to, to deal with these things now. And um, there's been a lot of stuff said about us moving on um, the physios on from last season and getting new physios uh, this season and stuff. Um, I haven't. I'm going to be totally honest. I haven't fully kept up with it because the whole thing seemed a bit petty and. Um, you know, it's it just a bit confusing at times because uh, I don't really know who these people are. They're just kind of coming out and different people are saying certain things. And, you know, but um, I just wanted to briefly touch on it uh, because it's it's pretty relevant at the moment um, with our injuries. Do you think this uh, has played a part in what's gone on, Ryan, this season in terms of the amount of injuries that we've had? I think you can't really argue against it considering they're the best people out there that would know about the ins and outs of the medical side of what happens at the club and a lot of the tweets that came to light in the last 48 hours were from I think November, December time Yeah, and yeah. we've had many injuries since then so to them it's not a surprise and the way it's kind of gone is that they've been liking um, tweets in an almost like cryptic manner yeah, and what yeah. they've tweeted in terms of how um, it's not really a surprise um when will people realise and um, is it not worth investing more into the medical side rather than losing 60 million on a player through them getting injured? So I think there is a few ways that you can interpret it. One that I'm assuming is that the the club aren't really investing too much money in the medical side of things because I think three, is it three medical staff left in at the end of last season? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and... Um, the only one that I'm aware of that arrived at the club was the one from Arsenal. So if Chris he was Williams. the only, yeah. yeah, and if he is the only one, that's a net loss of two medical staff. Mm. And I'm sure there's more to it than that, but it seems that that we almost had it coming, given what they've been insinuating. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that we've moved to this new training facility and got rid of the medical staff. Like, as if. I don't know how the facilities have changed, if it's just a different building and the same, the inside is pretty much the same or new technology has been brought in. Maybe that's why we've seen so many little short injuries as well because uh, maybe the, the scanners are better now <laughs> and they're just picking up different things and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, you've got a little bit of a knock there. Have a, like, oh, you're out for two weeks or whatever. Um, but I feel like it, it kind of looks to me, and this could be like a really dumbed-down version of what's actually going on, but it kind of looks to me like FSG have gone, well, we give you this new facility that, that'll that'll improve your fitness and your training. You don't need as many staff because you've got this instead. Um, and we've brought in... I mean, we've brought in staff in different areas. Um, what was it? The, we oh, Did we not bring someone... We brought someone in to do with Nabi, didn't we? Um, it was uh, uh, from... He worked the clock at Dortmund, didn't he? He was a sort of a fitness coach sort of thing. Like, yeah. To do with like, the yeah. rehab. Yeah, he helps with the transition from finish your injury going and then stepping onto the pitch again. That that yeah. 
Which I think is a you know with everything going on at the club's a very wise move considering the amount of players that we do have coming back and that I, I can imagine that period is absolutely crucial in not um, re uh, re-injuring yourself and everyone especially you Ryan, is crossing <laughs> your fingers hoping that this little extra time with let um, Kaita stay out means that he'll come back and we can get a good run out of him in the team because when he plays we tend to win and we tend to win well. Um, last time he played was uh, Crystal Palace, I believe, yeah. which seems like a lifetime ago now. That seven 0 win, last where I was happy, yeah, where I came on the podcast and was like, "That's it, we've won the league, great, get the book the parade in for next year." Um, I remember I actually looked for a text the other day that I sent to one of my friends, going like, "Barring anything catastrophic happening, I think we'll walk the league now." I was like, "I think I actually said we need to lose like five games between now and the end of the season, and we're not going to do that." We've now lost every game at Anfield since I said that. So um, <laughs> these these things these things happen. Um, so uh, one like an, another thing of everything that was announced yesterday uh, by Boris, and you've got to take everything that that man in this government says with a pinch of salt uh, because half the time it never goes well. But how much is it going to hurt uh, if the Premier League? having not had fans in the ground for all the season, bar the two games or wherever it was, they let fans back in for that final game of the season and City get to have their little thing in front, uh, their little celebration in front of their fans, considering we didn't get ours after 30 years and we're not going to get our parade because I'm hoping the club aren't going to put a parade on. That would be quite... Uh, We would never live that down. Yeah, I think as much as I want a celebration, I don't really... It seems wrong. It seems wrong, yeah. Uh, and it, it will get mocked a lot, uh, which we get enough of on social media. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think because I think we def- we need fans back, and I'm hoping this is if it means we have fans back at the start of the first game next season, I'll swallow the bitter pill that is watching City celebrate in front of their fans and allow them allow them to have it back. What are, you, what are your guys' views on it? Are you excited for to see fans back in the grounds? It seem like it'll get back to normal. Yeah, I think we're... I was actually saying this to my mum earlier. I think we're one of the teams that have suffered the most from not oh, having fans in the stadium. Because, you know, in these games where we're going 1-0 down, you know, the fans are there roaring, picking picking the team back up and it, it boosts morale. And I think with even like the two games we had them back, with the, I think it was the Leicester and Wolves game, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was West Brom we played as well at home. Uh, oh, well. I think that yeah. we, we drew that game, but we battered Wolves in front of our fans on the first game. Yeah. Right? It just it adds so much more to us. It kind of gives us life. It allows us to to get these results. Like last season, how many times have we what find ourselves one 0 down within the first twenty minutes, having to claw for a result? And it was the fans that got us through that. Yeah. And what's this now? We'll have fans back in the last game of the season against Palace, and we'll go and absolutely hammer them. Yeah, most likely. I can, I can just see it happening. We get fans back in, and we start. start it'd be great. It'd be great if it was a must-win game for top four, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be. Oh, it would be. I mean, it see, would be that, that, that's the thing, you know, like that, that's how important it could be. Uh, th- there's like other games as well when you think like, um, I think Newcastle go to Fulham um, and that could be a whoever wins stays up um, game, which is just, it's insane. Um, and to have, to Fulham, for Fulham to have fans back is, is one thing, but for Newcastle's travelling crowd to go to Fulham, as well, you know, the, it could be it could be huge, and it could have an effect on the game, like definitely. And it, it, I think, all like sort of tribalism aside, 
it's fantastic just to see fans back. And, you know, there's talk about England uh, and the UK possibly having the Euros here, um, which I don't know how much of a wise idea that is, but at the yeah, same time, I, I'm, I'm just excited to have fans back in, in stadiums and have football feel more live again. Um, so uh, moving on to, you know, this weekend, uh, we've got Sheffield United, Chris Wilder. Um, this has all of the makings of Klopp, and everything he said at the start of the season, <laughs> getting bitten on the arse by um, Chris Wilder coming and putting 11 men behind the ball for 90 minutes and sneaking a 1-0 from a penalty. Uh, that's kind of where my head's at at the moment, and that's kind of what the only thing I can see is going to happen. What are your guys' thoughts on the weekend, and what are your predictions for teams as well? I think it, you can't really get much better games for Kater to be back fit for that against true. that kind of opposition. I think he's got to start if that's what we're going to expect um yeah i i've got a good feeling about it i feel like the normally extended breaks aren't really good for us but after everything that's happened recently i think having a full week which doesn't i don't think we've really had that many times this season having a full week between games um i think that'll do, yeah i think that'll do us good for once um just to get everybody, just to get their head wrapped around the situation right now. Lost, we've lost our captain. Um, just regroup and go again. Um, so yeah, I would like to. I think Thiago would drop out of the midfield three. I feel. Um, I think Curtis Jones is better on the defensive side in terms of covering space, and he's good enough going for. He's he's been good going forward and. I'm not sure if Klopp will want to play Keita and Thiago together straight away. Um, so, yeah, the Wijnaldum Jones midfield three that started against Leicester at home, which were great together. I think that would be the front three for me. I mean, midfield, midfield three, sorry. And possibly the last time that the usual front three have played, um, played together for such a consistent period of time because hopefully Jota will be back after this game. And yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident. What What about you, Harry? What What, what would you go defensively for this game with Henderson being out? Would you go with the same centre half pair and that played most of the game against Everton? Yeah, I think I think we all not none of us are expecting Fabinho to be back. And I think even if he is fit, he isn't going to be risked because it happened against City. We rushed yeah. him back to City and he got injured and he's what been gone for another two weeks. I, I can't. I can see him maybe being on the bench at most. So I'll, I'd go with. Phillips and Kabak, I don't see why not. I thought when they were together against Everton, I, I thought they were great. I didn't I didn't think they really put a foot wrong, which has kind yeah. of been Phillips. He's kind of gets his head down, does what he needs to do. It's probably why he doesn't get, get talked about a lot because he just does what's asked of him. I, th- I think for, for the midfield, I've, I think everyone will have their own sort of opinions on what it should be. I, I can... I'd like it to be Wijnaldum, Thiago and Keita. I think that would be a really good midfield to, to try and break down a low block team like Sheffield who are going to have their strikers sat on the edge of the 18-yard box for the, for the entire game. I think they've got the creativity which we've lacked to kind of kind of break teams down. But I, could, I can see Thiago being given a rest. He's played a lot of successive games and he, I think he is starting to tire. And I think out of the games we've got coming up, this probably would be the best one to rest him in. So I think if he is dropped to the bench, 
I think it would be it would be Curtis Jones that comes in because he has he's been fantastic this season and he deserves yeah. the game time. Yeah, I think um, you know, the the main thing is just win. Uh, but the the main thing about the actual game is just don't concede early. Don't let them. Don't let it play into their hands, because uh, it happened at Southampton. It happened at Everton. Um, and last season, this happened quite often. I think Harry you touched on this before. And there was, n- I just remember thinking every time we went one 0 behind last season, they're like, "Oh, we'll still win this." Like, we'll yeah, just it was never a worry. Twice. Now this season, I I just can't ever see. I can barely see a score on a goal. Never mind um, coming back from one 0 down. So to, so to score two is a is a huge ask. But maybe if Jota's back and can come off the bench for the last 20 minutes, we've seen him win games at the start of the season for us. Maybe that's kind of where it'll, it could come. Um, but it's just, you know, we, we need to start scoring. We need to start scoring in the first half of games. Like, apart from Tottenham, where we scored in the 48th minute, I don't think we've scored in the first half since Crystal Palace, which is like two months ago, which is just, it's it's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Um, when did Mane score against but, West Brom? Was that the first half? Uh or was that like the start of the second? I think I was the start of the second. I could be wrong though. Um, but yeah, I mean, even then, like that was that was after Christmas, just after Christmas, the game after Christmas, and we're in like nearly at the end of, of February now. It's we're just it's just so impressive. We're just so unused to seeing this now. Like even the worst Liverpool teams we've ever seen in our lifetime, like Hodgson's Liverpool for the six months or whatever that was, weren't this bad. Um, it just goes down to that kind of, I guess. Uh, mentality. I mean, the next few games, we've said this a lot, and again, it seems like Groundhog Day, but the next, you know, uh, five Premier League games are so, so important um, because if we yeah. can put a string of, game, of wins together against these teams, um, we could be, we could see ourselves back in the top four. You know, we've got Sheffield United, a very winnable game on a normal day. Um, Chelsea as well. Chelsea next Thursday night at Anfield. <sighs> And then form at Anfield on the Sunday. Two games we both have to we have to win. We have to get back to winning ways at home. Uh, we need to anything less than nine points there, and then Wolves after that. Uh, then Arsenal, then Villa. You know, like any dropping points, anything there. Maybe like you could get a draw away at Arsenal, uh, possibly, which is a pretty terrible result. But it's just like if you're looking at any of them, um, that's where you would be kind of more fine dropping points. Um, if we can. You know, string a few games together, wins. You shoot straight back up the table because other teams don't want this fourth place spot either. You know, they're not they're not winning games. Um, uh, because if you look at if you look at United as well, they they've been on a pretty terrible um, run of form. Uh, I think they matched our point before the weekend. They had the same amount of points in the past five games, yeah. but they're still in second because we didn't capitalise on that and we didn't uh, pick up the points that would send us above them, which is just so frustrating. Um, Harry, what what was... What, what do you think? What's... Well, just touching... Mane scored in the 12th minute against West okay. Brom. Okay, sorry. So it was a lot earlier. So I yeah. think we thought... But yeah, like you said, the teams we've got coming up, the, the majority of them are the ones that we're going to be fighting against come the end of the season. The top four, Villa have obviously got a couple games in hand that they'll probably be up there. Chelsea, as bad as Wolves have been, I could probably see them picking up a couple of, of decent wins towards the end of the season. So these are teams that we really do need to be beating because they are going to be the teams that are going to pressure us and they're going to be the difference between possibly top four and eighth 
Yeah. And I think we need to concentrate on scoring goals because goal difference is going to be another another big thing because teams will finish tied on points and it will be missed opportunities that come back and bite teams on the arse and it will probably be us. Yeah. I mean, you look, we've got that Leipzig game in between um, Fulham and Wolves as well, uh, which is, you know, that... <sighs> A lot of people have talked about 2005 and how we finished fifth that season behind Everton and still got into the Champions League by winning it. It's a bit of a freak season. You know, it, it's a realistic option for us now. If we can win a few games in the Premier League, get a bit of a run going, um, we could still finish fourth. It's such a strange season, you never know. Um, but the Champions League, it's it's unrealistic, and especially the way we're playing. But if we can get uh, Fabinho back, Jota scoring... Um, which isn't a guarantee. You know, there's no reason why we can't get a few freak results in the Champions League and go to the final and win the thing. If, if anyone were going to do it this season, it would probably be us because we know what we're like. It would be like the most Liverpool thing um, possible. Um, but, but yeah, you know, like, we just need to win. Can we just win some games, please? Just just give everyone a boost. We've had that boost of that, like, we can kind of see we're rode out with COVID now. Can we just have yeah. that extra boost of Liverpool winning some games? Because it, it would be nice to feel that again. Um, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up in a minute, but I just want to get your sort of score predictions for the weekend. Harry, what do you think? What, what are you going with? I, I can't see it being a game where we go and score six or seven just no. based off the way that Sheffield are playing. So I, I think we'll keep a clean sheet because as much as we've got our defensive problems, I just I don't think they've really got the firepower to to get a couple of goals in front at the start. So I'm going to go with a go with a 1-0 to, to Liverpool. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, similar thinking. I'm going to go 2-0. But it, was just, it just reminded me that all season we've been joking about oh, how funny will it be if Rian Brewster finally gets his first Premier League goal against us. Yeah. And the way this season's going, it seems more likely to happen than not. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, a Rian Brewster goal in the 78th minute. Um, season off. Chris Wilder celebrating in front of Klopp on the touchline. We just, yeah, that sounds a lot like our scene. So anything else yeah. than that will be a positive at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a depressing time to come on here. So thank you to uh, you, Harry, for making your first appearance on here after such a dreadful game. I know it's good to get it off your chest. And thank you, Ryan, as always, for coming on. Um, thank you for hosting it, mate. No, listen, let's hope we can get on. We, I mean, we don't play until Sunday night, so don't worry. The result can't <laughs> ruin your weekend. Um, but hopefully we can come back, you know, next Monday. Um, before the game against Chelsea on the Thursday, and hope that we could, you know, have have something positive to talk about and to look forward to going into that Chelsea game at home, and hopefully we'll get back to winning ways in the Premier League and then winning ways back at home as well. But um, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to talk about the podcast or ask us any questions for our next podcast, make sure you use the hashtag TATPod. And um, that's all from us. Uh, so thank you guys for coming on. <laughs>